Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim Singleton, your host. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays featuring African-Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight the CBS series, The Equalizer. It is a reimagined version of the 1980s series that originally starred Edward Woodward, and it was redone as a movie in 2014 starring Denzel Washington. And now we have the amazing Queen Latifah starring as The Equalizer. Today, as my guest to discuss this series, I have a friend, we go way back, but he is also an actor, writer, and producer, Lawrence Winslow. Welcome, Lawrence. Hey, Kim. How you doing? Appreciate I'm you good. having me on the show. It's great, you know, to join your uh, your audience, your growing podcast. And um, yeah, let's chop it up about the Equalizer. Yeah, wow. yeah. But before we get started, I want people to learn more about you. Tell our audience about your relationship with the entertainment business. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. So I've been a working actor um, in New York City for over 20 years, um, have done some, uh, you know, various TV episodics, some off-off-Broadway, you know, theater here, as, as is very uh, popular in New York City, um, minimal film, but, um, you know, I'm an enjoyer of content, I'm currently writing a, a series myself, and have been involved in sport, small productions here and there. And as you said, Kim, we do go way back quite some time. Oof. And that is another conversation, we, we not we for this show. How, <laughs> we won't talk about how long we go back, but we do go yes, back. Yes, we do go back. Now, name some of the shows you've been on, because I, you know, I've been in my house sometimes and I'm flipping channels and I'll see your face on there, either commercials or some popular primetime series. Why don't you let our audience know where they could have seen you? Well, most recently I have been on the Blacklist. Um, I've been on both. Um, I have been on, you know, all the law and orders from the old criminal intent, uh, the old law and order uh, to SVU. Um, so, yeah, I've had my, my share and, uh, you know, experiences working, you know, in the New York acting world. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing time. It's, a, you know, an amazing place to do it. And now there are more series being shot in New York than there ever have been. So there are a lot of opportunities for actors to get work. Oh, awesome. That's just amazing. So he is a working actor, everybody. We have so many viewing options now. We can watch network TV, we can watch cable, we can stream, et cetera, et cetera. What drew you to The Equalizer and why did you start watching this series? Well, specifically with The Equalizer, obviously when you get a lead like Queen Latifah, you've got a built-in base. You know, I mean, she's got a broad base from her music career to her TV career. You know, you go back to living single, um, you know, people forget that she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, so, so uh, you know, she's got, a, and who doesn't like the queen? I mean, come on. So yes. that was a great hook for me. And I was excited to see her, you know, embody the role that Denzel did. I saw both equalizers, enjoyed them both. And um, I like the series. I like what she does. You know, she handles herself well and represents. 
Yeah, that's what drew me to it, too. I absolutely love Queen Latifah back from her rap days. You know, ooh, the ladies first, the ladies right. first. Right. At, right. To living single. She's right. done some amazing things. So when I saw that she was taking this lead, I was like, OK, I definitely have to check it out. And it's a very well done series. So, you know, drawing people to the series is one thing, but keeping them there, that's another thing. Right. And she did well her first year. I mean, she mm-hmm. You know, rated high, one of the highest rated, you know, um, uh, series that what it was at the start of the pandemic, pandemic, mm-hmm. really, right? Yeah, yep. no, she she did. So she did well. And I, you know, I started watching season two, haven't finished it completely. Um, still ongoing, obviously, but um, season one was was well done. Yes, yes. And I watched all the seasons. I'm up to date. And trust me, <laughs> you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Okay, looking forward to that. Yeah, so you had mentioned that you actually saw the Denzel Washington version. We won't talk about the original one in the 1980s with the white guy because I don't even remember seeing it. I just found that in my research. <laughs> but I'm well, sure I, he couldn't live up to, no no disrespect to, who's, what's his name, Edward Woodward, no disrespect. I'm actually going to go back and watch it if I can find it because I just want to see how he did, you know, give him his props. But um, you did say you did see the 2014 film uh, with Denzel Washington. What yeah. is it that you like about the series that maybe the film didn't cover? You know, the series... Um gets more in depth with the personal issues and you know in a film obviously you're telling you know a story and it's it's a little bit more fast-paced it's a little different feel because i think you've got antoine fuqua doing that and, and uh he makes it really slick and um you know really engaging the tv series has um a personal element to it that aligns with what latifah is does or robin i should say as the character you know beautifully you feel her you feel her caring empathic self um, but at the t- same time, Latifah can kick some butt. Mm-hmm. She, can, she can throw a couple of people over tables. She can, she, she, she can shoot an AK. So <laughs> she gets some action in there as well. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a really different kind of role on TV for, for someone like her. You just, you just don't see that. And I'm right, sure CBS right. saw that as well. Right. And, and one of the things I like over the movie, the movie I liked also, but the series, uh, it deals with a lot of different issues. You know, the movie, you know, you have the start, beginning and end, and then it's over. With the series, you can always introduce different issues to it. Like, for instance, they had done a, a series where, you know, on age, violence against Asians, and yeah. they did one on rap violence. They did one on racial profiling. So the list of topics are like really can always be introduced. And that's what I like about it over the movie per se. Yeah, they do have, they do have themes and topics that, that, that color, you know, every episode inside, um, you know, the story itself. Um, so, so you're right. It's an opportunity for them to, you know, to say some things about, you know, whether it's racial, whether it's uh, gender-based and um, they do a good job of that. The thing that I find that, that's always attractive about episodics is, is the basic story compelling. And in, in the case of, you know, The Equalizer, they happen to pick some pretty good stories that I find are, are attractive in and of themselves. Because, of course, you have the family aspects that she's got. She's got a daughter and all of that. But, you know, is the basic crime story that she's trying to solve compelling enough for you to stick? Are you, do you want to know what happens next? And I think they do that. Yeah, they do a great job of that. Um, so from what you've seen so far, because I know you said you completed season one, what is your favorite episode or some of your most memorable moments uh, in the series so far? Well, my favorite episode so far is season one, episode five. 
and it's the one about the milk run, the, math, the mathematician, mm. has the key to, to breaking every server globally and just hacking everybody. I mean, that was pretty amazing. I think they really did a really good job of um, the twists, you know, in, in, in the stories, because there's a double twist at the end that really comes up, um, you know, where you kind of think one person is shot, they're not, and then they come back, that they do very, very well. That was a very compelling story for me. Um, it's covered a, a a global issue. It had a macro story, but it also had you know a small small stories you know in the middle. So I I, I really enjoyed it. What did you right. think? Well, well, the one of my most memorable episodes, which you probably haven't seen yet because it's season two, is when they had Jada Pinkett on there, and oh. she plays this I guess like cat burglar slick. I mean, she just ate that role up, and it just kind of made it like very entertaining. It was good to see her play off of Queen Latifah because from what I understand, they're friends, you know, they did set it off and they were also in um, Girls Trip. So they right. had really good screen chemistry and her character was kind of sassy and the lines were very, uh, you know, witty. I just really enjoyed it. And I find myself when I was watching the episode, even though it was serious and they had to kick some butt like they usually do, I found myself smiling. I just really, really enjoyed it. And I don't know if it was more Jada Pinkett Smith or Queen Latifah or just seeing like two black women on prime time, just, you know, tearing it up. I was just all in it. So that was really uh, one of my favorites, but I'm not going to spill it all for you. I'm going to let you get to that and let you watch that. One of the things that I really like about this series is the fact that they do have women of color who are leads, who are actually kicking butt, like doing the physical stuff. And not just Queen Latifah's character. I like the little Asian woman. Her real name is uh, Lisa LaPera, and she plays Melody. They have her cast as a sharpshooter. And right. when it's time to fight, you know, she holds her own. Um, from the male perspective, talk to us about why it's important for us to have women of color in lead roles like series in series like this. Well, you know, seeing women of color do action um, and combat is, um, you know, it, it's rare. So particularly when you have a TV series that's led by a woman that also has, you know, supporting characters that are women and they engage and take part of the action. Number one, it, it provides diversity from an employment perspective. We all know that, you know, in front of, behind the camera. But, but you know, from a dollars and cents point, it brings women to the series to watch. Because, you know, action, you know, action TV uh, series and movies are typically dominated by men. So when you can get, you know, obviously you've got a female lead and you get female audience that's joining in with the action to the extent that, that men like it as well. And I, you know, I do, I think it provides something in terms of, uh, you know, just story and, you know, an attractive series. Um, to, to, from a male perspective, it's just nice to see different people doing different things. So it provides opportunity for everybody and I'm sure it helps in the ratings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I just love, you know, I guess I project through her, you know what I'm saying? I can't really fight myself, but right. I like to see her fight. So I'm just like, okay. Well, listen, I'm I saw, I saw, I think I saw season two, finished season two, episode two or three, and she's all she's a little she's kind of on the small side so mm -hmm. she's with some really you know large men and like you said she does hold her own so yeah she does you know, watching, hold her own watching the ladies kick butt is uh is entertaining 
Yeah. And the other thing I like about it, too, that even though she's kicking butt, they don't make her like superhuman because the guys because she is small. The guys get some licks in, too, you know, when they get one up on her. But, you know, she they clearly show her as being trained in martial arts. So uh, that's why I love it. I just love the show. I also like the fact that uh, one of the co-executive producers is a brother, Joseph C. Wilson. He was also co-executive producer on NCIS Los Angeles and co-executive producer on The Shy. I actually love that series also. And in an interview that I had done earlier with him, he had mentioned that representation matters. Um, Let's talk about how important it is to have people at the top sitting at the table to make decisions about what goes on the air. Well, you know, we've all had the, 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 um, the issues with regard to diversity and increasing those numbers, making sure that, you know, TV, film and other platforms look like, you know, America. And, you know, and, you know I tend to take a business perspective to these things. You know, the numbers skew heavily toward diverse audiences showing up first week for movies, showing up first for TV shows. And, you know, that's what rings the cash register. So I love all the cultural aspects of it. Absolutely enjoy that. But the fact that we provide a monetary, you know, benefit behind it, that is is exactly what, you know, people in the business are looking for in terms of numbers. There's no reason why you shouldn't have more diversity. So it's, it's, it's very important. But to your point, Having somebody there that, that's a showrunner, that runs a show, that's a co-executive producer and executive producer, as Queen Latifah is, you know you're going to get stories from uh, people of color of all types. You're going to get LGBTQ. You, you're going to get it all. And it's nice to see that, um, that you have these different stories. I think the best thing that you can do is introduce new worlds to audiences that they haven't seen before. You know, I mean, that's something that, you know, Shonda's done. That's something that you've seen with, if you're looking from a film perspective, I mean, look at what Black Panther did. That's a world we never saw. So when you're talking about um, the importance of, uh, of diversity in shows and having people at the head, if you don't have people at the head, A, you know, your influence in terms of your stories, influence in terms of development of your characters, the characters that you do have, all of it's affected. So you've got to have somebody at the top that's, that understands that, um, buys in and executes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very well said. I couldn't add more to it than that. But yes, and I'm glad we're starting to see more people of color, men and women, you know, getting roles like this, you know, opportunities being presented. But we still have a long way to go. So let's talk about Tori Kittle's character, Detective Dante. So basically, the whole thing with him is he's this good cop in a flawed police system trying to do right and trying to make changes from the inside. But it's a struggle because you have corrupt cops. He's still a black man who is fighting to be heard. Uh, Tell me what you think about his struggles because his situation doesn't have to be isolated to the police system. It could be anywhere as a black man in any situation trying to get ahead. Talk to us about what you think about his particular struggle. You know, the, the interesting thing about Tory and the way that he balances um, the push and pull of relying on somebody that's a little bit of a vigilante, somebody that's really outside, um, you know, the lines of working. He tries to do stuff by the book. He really does try. But I think that he's realized that, hey, the streets don't play by the book. This is a person that can provide me with valuable information to help me get and, you know, bring people that should be brought to justice to justice. And um 
it's good to see that character have an internal struggle. I mean, if you're writing a character, that you know that's what you want. That's a challenge for an actor to be able to 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 live that role. He does a great job of it, and you know, <laughs> certainly uh, there's a little bit of tension between him and him and the queen. Um, but um, but yeah, he does a good job initially at hey, I'm suspect. Should I should I trust her information? To okay, so let's see where this goes. To all right, this isn't right. I'm bringing you in. And then, you know, as we start to get into season two, he starts to rely on her for information because he's got his own personal, you know, issue that he wants to resolve. So um, kudos to the writers for giving this actor, you know, this brother, the opportunities that he's had to play that role. And he's doing a really good job with it, I think. Lorraine Toussaint, she's in there. She plays the character of Anne Phi, uh, Queen Latifah's aunt. I absolutely love her. She has a great body of work. Tell us what is some of your favorite work of Lorraine? Well, you know, OIT was it OITNB, they call it. Ours is the New Black. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, she was she was great on that. Um, I've seen her in spots on other, you know, both series and film. Um, I think she's a really, really talented, grounded actor. Um, I love the stuff that she's doing, you know, on the Equalizer and the role that she plays because she really provides um, the moral sounding board and the parental you know, kind of check for uh, for Robin um, in dealing with Delilah and the evolving issues of, you know, having a teenage daughter and also you being this, you know, really street superhero. She's, she's you know, doing what she does. And oh, so when we talk about episodes, one episode when the, at the end of the season one, when the daughter finds out, mm. that was, I love that. Yeah. That, that was, great. That was, that great was a good episode too, yeah. Um, but but I'm but, but getting back to your point, but I'm there. She's 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 the perfect supporting character that that you need. Mm -hmm. um, she provides you know really good feedback on you know her life and where she is. She's uh, really like you know the moral check in many ways for that character. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I loved her on Orange Is the New Black too, and I and I love this character for her for all the reasons that you said because we always have like an unvi in our life, so I like the fact that she's there, uh, she's showing that family support uh, while Robin is running out doing God knows what. You know, she's making sure that her daughter has a stable home life. Yes. and you know cooking those meals so yeah kudos to Lorraine Toussaint if anybody out there who's not familiar with her work make sure you look her up on the internet and check out some of her other shows because she's an amazing actress so um is there any particular storyline that you would like to see developed a little more I know you only saw season one but you know is there right. anything you're like okay you know they need to dig into this a little more well, season one, you know, we, we've already seen that um, Detective Dante has two, two boys that he's raising, uh, you know, and, and I'd love to see where things go with that. Not necessarily in all ways putting them, you know, in, in harm's way, but very much like, you know, like the Queen's daughter. Hey, you know, these boys, I'm sure, go to school, have their own storylines. It'd be interesting to see how they interact. It'd be interesting to see Detective Dante as a father. That's another side of a black man that you, you know, that, that's an opportunity for you to see, you know, a man of color raising his kids and all that it, all that, that entails. Um, there's another uh, thing, like I said, I haven't even gotten into season two too well, but apparently the father showed up and picked her up. We never saw him. He, he picked her up, dropped her off, <laughs> never saw him, never saw the car. We didn't see nothing. But we so, want to know. Yes, yes. <laughs> we want the tea. Where's... Let's spill it. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's spill the tea. Exactly. Exactly. So that, um, that, that's that's a great opportunity. Yeah, and also uh, I don't know. I don't think it was in season one, but they. I would like them to delve a little bit into Advice Story because they did touch on. They kind of teased you with a past relationship that kind of came to the forefront. So maybe in season three, they'll explore that. And you're like, oh, okay, um, I'm fine. You holding out on something, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, I want to learn how does she come to end up taking care of Robin's daughter? You know, what about her life? You know? Um, and they touched on that a little bit. They just gave you a little tease, but they didn't tell you everything, but I would like to see a little bit about, you know, some background about her story, her character. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that, that. yeah. It'd be great to see her get out of that house and do something. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I think she, I don't know if it was in season one, she did go on a date one time, but it's almost like they keep it all secret. Like she went on a date, but okay, who is the dude? You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Hey, listen, they got Harry out from underground and cut I his know. head. <laughs> So that's that's how far I am into season two. Oh wow! Okay, this dude—he's he's seeing some daylight. So. <laughs> I know, Harry. So uh, as I had mentioned before, uh, the Equalizer is a reimagined version of an original series, and you know, studios in Hollywood tend to, you know, kind of stick to franchises as opposed to you know taking a chance on new ideas. What do you think about this whole thing? I like to see new ideas. Love to see new ideas. You know, um, not everything that is rehashed works. You know, very little of it. I mean, listen, Marvel hits a home run every time. But for every Marvel, there are, there are you know, three or four, if not five, other, you know, remakes that they, that they do that, that fail. Uh, the stories are weak. The characters aren't compelling. Um, so, I, you know, let's let's tell some new stories. There are plenty of them. We've got, you know, we've got, you know, hidden gems and, um, you know, hidden figures all around us. Um, let's, let's tell some of those stories and bring them to the table. Um, you know, which, what are your thoughts around it? Well, um, in terms of franchises, I believe that, you know, it's a business decision. If it's a well-established established franchise that has a following, I understand, like, for instance, Star Trek. You can mix and match that up, but it has a solid. I'm a Trekkie. I watch everything Star Trek. Now, one thing about us, though, the true fans is that don't be changing it too much. Like there's always got to be a Spock and a Captain Kirk somewhere along the line. Don't act like they don't exist. And the storylines have to really feed into the overall storyline of the franchise, you know, because I'm a Trekkie. We're real weird about that. Don't, you know. (laughs) Don't change it up too much, but you have to be creative in terms of taking it to the next level. Um, but like I, like you said, there's some that, you know, there's not a solid audience for it, or at least ones that are in the generation that they're releasing it. And it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I think one time they did a remake of Guess Who, which is a remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It was just like, what? And then they did one on 21 Jump Street, which is like a comedy. I'm like, you guys are just wasting budgets. You could have given that to me. I could have done something with it. Um, You know, when you go back and pull out a franchise that doesn't have a solid following currently, or, you know, you can't tie it to the original one because they change it so much. Like they'll take a drama and make it a comedy. 
And it's just like, that doesn't make sense to me. But like I said, if it's a franchise that has a continuous following, like a Star Trek, like a comic book franchise, I totally understand that because they know if they produce that, it's a built-in audience and they'll make money. But I'm definitely interested in seeing some new things. And there's a lot of things out there. I think sometimes studios in Hollywood take the easy route because they don't want to take the risk. Two points are, you know, Amazon bought MGM and they've already greenlit the 007 TV series. Now they're taking something that's been an iconic film that's never gone to that format and they're gonna start tweaking mess with that. But you know, along the lines of what you said, I believe there are these three really big um, you know, groups. You've got Star Wars, um, you've got Marvel people, you know, you've got the comic book people, you've got Trekkies like yourself. I mean, those are huge worlds with huge built-in bases for generations. Right. Mm-hmm. So you did there. There are some things that you can't vary. And it's all orders of magnitude because these movies make a lot of money. It's just a matter of how much, you know, more you can make over your film and production costs. But, um, you know, it, the comic book people, the same with the Trekkies, same with the Star Wars people. They get real finicky when you start playing with the stories and certain characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't deviate too much. And the story can't be too crazy because you've got a world that's already built. So, mm-hmm. you know. They, they go back and look for look for all the, you know, contrast, clues, errors, anything, you know, the lack of continuity, they'll nail it. So you have to be careful. And we get so excited when it's like continuity. I remember it's a Star Trek episode that I think it was Star Trek First Generation, the tied to an old episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. It was just like, <laughs> I don't want to get all Trekkie out on you guys, but I was just so excited because they were able to tie the new series to the old series and kind of like superimpose things. I was just super excited. I was like, okay, y'all know what y'all doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's, listen, on my side, it's, it's you know, Infinity and Endgame. Mm. I mean, the way they brought everybody in and together. I'm, I'm, an, old, I'm an old comic geek. I collected mm-hmm. comics for a very long time, and to see these, to see movies being done like this now, the way that they can, mm-hmm. with the technology and the way that it looks, mm-hmm. is is amazing. So the key is getting the storyline right. If you can get it right, the audience will they will keep on coming, keep on coming. I mean, Spider Man is a great example. So talking about uh, series and TV shows and movies being reimagined and bringing it out to current day, is there anything in the past that you may be interested in seeing them to? seeing anyone redo. Yeah, I can bring up two real quick. Let's give uh, Good Times and the Jeffersons the Bel Air treatment. Mm. You know, you've got Good Times. It's, you know, set, set in the project, set in the hood. And, you know, the challenges of, of uh, a strong black, you know, uh, nuclear base, you know, parents, I would say, you know, man and woman, but yes, strong black parents trying to keep their kids in line in today, today. Well, um, that's our time for today. Any closing remarks, Larry? I mean, I call him Larry because we go way back. <laughs> right, right. She, she can do that. She got a license. Um, no, other than, hey, kudos to you for having this platform. Um, consider it Blacklit. I follow you on Instagram. Um, I think it's great, you know, what you're doing and, um, you know, bringing artists that ne- don't, that wouldn't necessarily get, you know, a voice in an interview to light. I mean, that's great, too. So, you know, you catch people both on the come up and also people behind in the shadows. Um, So you got a great platform, sis. Love it. And, um, you know, just I want to see you do more. Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And audience, thank you for tuning in. And until next week, consider yourself blacklit.